From the Orion Policy Institute, this is Orion Talks. Our podcast brings together experts for a conversation about events shaping the world at the local, national, and global levels. Tune in as we discuss foreign policy, security, human rights, political and economic development, and various other issues. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Orion Talks. I'm your host, Suat Chubukchu. The Wagner Group, a notorious and enigmatic Russian private security company, has taken a visible role in Ukraine and has been accused of indiscriminate violence and human rights abuses. The same Wagner Group also has been active in several African countries, including the Central African Republic, Libya, Mozambique, and Sudan. And it has recently expanded its operations to the Sahel region. Today, we will discuss the Wagner's growing presence in the Sahel region and its implications in counterinsurgency efforts. Today, I have two scholars, Broderick McDonald and Guy Fines. They are joining us from the UK. Welcome both. Hi, thank you very much for having us. It's great to be here. Uh, thanks for coming. Um, uh, let me briefly introduce you um, to our listeners. Broderick McDonald is an associate fellow at King's College London's International Center for the Study of Radicalization and postgraduate researcher at the University of Oxford, examining jihadist Salafist and far-right extremism. Broderick is also an assistant editor of the Perspectives on Terrorism Journal, an associate researcher with the Global Networks of Extremism and Technology, and a fellow with the Aspen Institute. Our second guest, Guy Fines, is an open source intelligence analyst and a resettlement supporter worker at Asylum Welcome and fellow at Aspen, Aspen Institute in UK and working on Middle East and North Africa. Um, so, Broderick and Guy, you wrote a fascinating article on the Wagner's group's growing relations and activities in Sahel region in Mali and recently with Burkina Faso. And you discuss how this can affect um the security and stability of the sahel region in the short and the long term so i just want to start our conversation and provide some background to our listeners about what is the wagner group so how could you describe them yeah i'll jump in on this i um i think that we need to grapple with wagner in africa more broadly but especially in the sahel <laughs> so we've seen over the last five to ten years wagner establish a foothold or a presence in countries right across Africa, as well as around the world. But in particular, they've been very active in Mali, where they have um, both fought against jihadist Salafist insurgents, but also there has been a significant rise in the number of civilian casualties and civilian deaths that have happened after their introduction to the region. So I think this is something we need to take seriously and watch that it isn't counterproductive. Uh, Wagner itself is, of course, a private military contractor with very close, if not explicit, ties with the Russian state. And so anytime we see Wagner enter into a new country, you can also take it as an indication that the Russian government is at least providing tacit approval or support for that as well. And indeed, this is part of their strategy in many cases to establish 
you know, diplomatic or military or financial footholds in a number of countries that were traditionally outside of, you know, the Russian sphere of influence. Okay. Um, Guy, do you want to add something or you, you um, can continue? Yeah. Yeah, no, I thought that was a fantastic introduction. Um, I also think that we need to be careful to distinguish um, definitely between what's become the new sort of image of Wagner, which is uh, thousands of prison recruits thrown onto the front lines in Ukraine, Bakhmut specifically, and a much longer running, much more professional operation in um, many mm -hmm. African states and across Central Asia, where you actually have not just military support, but also support in terms of logistical support and more behind the scenes support for these largely authoritarian military regimes. Okay, uh, thank you so much. Um, and you, you actually, you know, briefly mentioned about its role in in Africa, especially in the Sahel region. So considering the, the regional aspects, um, what specific roles does the Wagner Group undertake, undertake and what are their interests in the region? So I think that Wagner has many different interests in Africa and the West African context in particular, both for their own sake and for larger um, government objectives. So the first thing that we know is they you know, will actively help in terms of training missions and even leading in certain operations to counter Salafi jihadist extremists like JNIM mm -hmm. or ISGS in the region. But of course, Wagner's not doing this altruistically. They also benefit significantly from it. There are widespread reports of Wagner in the Sahel and Africa more broadly of using natural resource extraction from many of these countries to pay for what they're doing. And um, in particular, we see this with, you know, uh, highly valuable commodities like gold. In some cases, they will operate gold mines and then extract payment through those, either through generous licenses or through actually running the operations themselves through a subsidiary. And this also has significant benefit for Russia more broadly when we think about the context of sanctions today. You know, this is a pretty critical lifeline for Russia to bring in, you know, foreign reserves and gold from outside of the country. Okay. Um, so, um, you know, you briefed about, talk about what Wagner's is trying to do, especially with the kind of relationship with the Russian government. Um, on the other side, what factors do you think motivate Mali and Burkina Faso to engage with the Wagner group for countering insurgency and terrorism? And especially when you think about the French counterterrorism forces, so what are the factors that actually they wanted to replace them and engage with the Wagner group in their efforts to fight with Salafi jihadist groups like Islamic State in Greater Sahara and JNIM in the region? Um, I think that the coups had a lot of support in Mali and Burkina Faso from the general population. I think half, a lot of that support came from an exasperation with the security situation, which had continued to deteriorate or had remained um, pretty bad, even with the French presence. Um, so when the French first came mm -hmm. in, um, in about 
in 2012, I think. Um, they did pretty well against the insurgency, but in the following years, the problem kind of remained. And I think um, that combined with the colonial history of French, the French in the region, and a kind of fear that the French wanted to become this, continue to be a neo-colonial power in these countries really um, helped the Russian narrative that Wagner Group, we're not telling you what to do, we're not patronizing you. We can come in and we'll sort out the situation where the French have failed. Frederick, you want to? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll just, you know, <laughs> touch on on what Guy mentioned about the colonial legacy that French and other forces have. It's it's quite a dark legacy, in, in particularly in North Africa, but of course elsewhere. And I think you know this drives a lot of it. And and like Guy spoke to, there's a sort of you know a, a laissez-faire sort of understanding that Wagner won't ask questions in the same way that um, European partners might have in the past. They're sort of more compliant with the, you know, the states. And I think when you consider that the region has seen multiple coups, I mean, um, both Burkina Faso and Mali have seen several coups just in the last few years. Um, this is oftentimes something that's very much of interest to governments there um, who maybe are not that established themselves and um, are still finding their footing and perhaps do not care uh, hugely about human rights. They are very uh, eager to work with a partner who is, let's say, more flexible on human rights and willing to comply even when you know there's a risk to civilians or others. Um, there is a question, though, of course, you know, how well that strategy will work longer term if you turn off or uh, alienate local populations. So, um, so I, I totally understand, you know, for the country is, it's so much, um, you know, it's, it's problematic when you deal with post-colonial powers. Now, there's a security company that actually, you have a kind of deal and it's, pretty much a kind of you are the boss right you just tell what you want but on the other hand uh the russian influence the russian government's influence is pretty much obvious on the on the wagner group um i also want to look at you know the, the effectiveness of the wagner in the counterterrorism efforts so broderick you briefly touched upon you know that uh there is a plausible deniability you know especially from the Russian side, especially with these human rights abuses and other, other things. Um, but when you look at the, the counterterrorism um, efficiency and effectiveness, um, what do you see the, its implications in the short term and in the long term for these two countries, especially Burkina Faso and Mali in, in the region? Yeah, I think that in, in the short term, you may actually see some advances in terms of counterterrorism. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that they will go in and um, take a very sort of muscular, you know, aggressive stance against jihadist groups and, and in some cases lead operations against them, scale up attacks against them. Um, but I'm skeptical that they will actually see lasting success. I mean, it's it's one thing to go in and smash things. Um, 
And it's a very another thing to win hearts and minds, to actually prove to communities that you are a reliable local partner that can be trusted and will protect. Um, and in, in, in many cases, you know, um, the jihadist groups that operate in the Sahel embed themselves within local communities. And in some cases, this has led to security forces um, attacking civilians. Um, and we, we saw this certainly under the French and, and under the, uh, the, you know, you know, the local governments as well. But what we have seen since um, Wagner went into Mali, we, uh, we've seen a fourfold increase just in the number of civilian deaths that have happened. So it, it suggests that Wagner is a little bit more cavalier, a little bit more reckless, uh, and and actually significantly more willing to um, engage in some level of civilian collateral damage in order to accomplish their goal. And so in, in the medium to long term, that is very unlikely to be successful. And even in the short term, the gains will be quite limited. And so you have been... that... Yeah, go ahead. Um, I would just add to that that after, for example, the massacre in Mura in Mali last year, March last year, I think at least 500 people, civilians were reported to have been killed. Directly after that, you saw a massive increase, a massive spike in recruitment to jihadi anti-government groups. Um, so I think there's a direct correlation between tactics which indiscriminately target civilians or have less respect to human rights and the ability of jihadi groups to recruit from local populations, which will in turn, you know, lengthen the conflict rather than ending it. Yeah, it's going to be like top on extremism and insurgency type of policies. Um, Guy, you know, I just want to continue with you because you are an open source intelligence analyst. And uh, I just want to, you know, ask you, have you ever come across any connections and engagements between the Wagner group and other non-state actors, such as organized crime groups or proxy groups? Um, proxy groups for, for who? Like the proxy groups for, um, you know, the other, other countries, like for example, like China is another kind of um, superpower that are functioning in the region in, in Africa. So do you see any kind of the connections with these groups like the um the criminal groups or um it can be like the the insurgencies for example al-qaeda or isis updated groups in the region um so in terms of propaganda and narrative i've seen on sorry but um i've seen on social media i don't there's any narrative connection between russia and the chinese i think that they, their framework is very much like we're an equal friendly partner saving the or helping to save our african friends from the western threat and from the jihadi terrorist threat um i know that allegedly in for example the central central african republic like they have Wagner group has coordinated with local rebel groups who they're ostensibly fighting against in order to secure mining resources um but I think that comes down to Wagner Group being a primarily uh, profit-driven organization rather than as well as a soft ideological organization. 
Mm-hmm. One thing I'll maybe add on that is um, we do see some evidence of jihadist groups in the Sahel also collaborating with drug traffickers and smugglers in bringing um, weapons and drugs from you know southern uh, you know areas up to the north and in some cases uh, all the way to the Mediterranean. So we do see some evidence that that both of these sides will collaborate with uh, whichever actors are uh, necessary, you know, in order to supply funding or 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 you know secure weaponry. But I think the broader issue around proxy groups is also one where Salafi jihadist groups in the Sahel have become very adept in the last 10 years at embedding themselves with and taking on the grievances of local communities. So in particular, you see oftentimes JNIM or ISGS will try to reach out to local ethnic groups, including the Fulani and others, and to try to take on their grievance and their struggle with the government as you know something to rally around now whether that is sincere or not is a completely different question but i think it is interesting how they are working with local uh groups almost as a proxy um, and then finding support and protection by hiding behind them Um, and ultimately this is bad for local communities you know who would be much better without interference from the government or from you know an armed group like jnim Okay, thanks. Excellent. So uh, I just want to ask a kind of a broader question, because it's pretty much obvious that the Wagner is not just a private company, it has strong affiliations with the Russian government, um, with Moscow. So how their presence and expansion in the region can affect Russian government's relations with these countries and other countries in the region? So do you have any kind of um, insights on that? So, of course, having Wagner presence in the region annoys the Western allies. You've seen France has backed up ECOWAS's um, sanctions against Mali for having uh, Wagner groups on their territory. So that instinctively pushes them closer towards the Russian uh, anti-Western sort of sphere. Um, I think I think we have to be careful also with um, too much alarmism. I don't think I that there was a couple articles on a couple of talk on the internet about Wagner planning to have a sort of series of vassal states in Central Africa to form a bulwark against the rest West. I'm not sure that's a super valid concern, and I think we should take care not to make African states into a sort of battleground between the West and the East. Um, but in terms of regional security, um, like Brody said, I think they can be effective in certain contexts, but in general, the lack of respect for human rights um, and honestly, the lack of a long-term plan, I think is counterproductive. Yeah, I, I, I would also add to that, that, you know, I think Wagner, does provide um, significant benefits to the Russian government in the sense that they can establish footholds. They're not like like Guy pointed out. You know, we, we shouldn't 
overblow this and you know pretend like these are now vassal states of russia simply because they have mm-hmm. some wagner presence but you know you've seen in many cases where uh wagner will go in and then be able to secure mining rights extract gold which ultimately will go back to russia and i think that this is a, a big part of how wagner helps um the russian governments as well and and you know really allows it to project power in regions where it once didn't now we'll see if this happens in Burkina Faso. I know that um, you know the interim government or the junta has said just last month that Russia is a very strong strategic ally. Uh, we don't have evidence yet that Wagner groups are on the ground, but I think many people are worried that Burkina Faso will be the next in the line of you know states in West Africa that have you know had some form of Wagner presence, and if that happens. I think we can expect to see some form of resource extraction, um, which ultimately will benefit Russia. Okay. Yeah, these are great points. Thank you. And um, as you mentioned in our conversation here, and also in your publication about the potential risks in the short term and the long term for the region, if the Baghdad is so much involved in this kind of operations, and especially with counterinsurgents and counterterrorism. So what can the international community and the Western world, including United States, UK, and other European countries can do to be able to contain Wagner's group's operations? Um, well, I think taking into account that a lot of local support for Wagner group and Russian intervention and against the West is based on what African states and populists see as um, a neo-colonial patronizing approach to African states. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that needs to be taken into account when Western actors um, speak to these people or uh, or in their diplomatic approaches. Um, I think that when Macron in 2020 summoned the G5 members that had really bad neo-colonial optics um, and it was reacted to in such a way in those countries. Um, so I think in terms of PR, Western countries should take note of what the Wagner Group and the Russian narrative is and make sure that they don't fall into that trap of talking down to people, essentially. Yeah, yeah, I agree that the colonial and post-colonial legacy that we see so often is extremely counterproductive and, and just morally wrong as well. And I think that when we look to the future and how to you know, address the the growing issue of extremism in the Sahel and West Africa more broadly, the answer doesn't necessarily lie with, you know, the West or Wagner and Russia. The answer we think should really come from local actors. And that can, you know, include support from the European Union or others. Um, the United States government as well, you know, has provided support for training local forces and, and you know, providing some of this capacity building. But we don't necessarily think it should be uh, led the same way. So it's it's very much, in, in our view, not, you know, a binary choice between the the West and Russia or Wagner and France, it should be viewed, I think, much more as something that um, Sahel countries should collaborate on and work together more on in order to find a, a lasting solution. Roger, thank you so much. And Guy, thank you so much for uh, your insights and joining Orion Talks.
Thank you very much. Thank you for having us.